This is the Beer and Pubcast. Speaking up for British beer and pubs. Hello, I'm Adam Batston and welcome to the first episode of the Beer and Pubcast, a new podcast from the British Beer and Pub Association. Today I'll be speaking to Bridget Simmons, who's the Chief Executive of the BBPA, and also to David Wilson, who's the BBPA Director of Public Affairs. Before we focus on the main subjects that are in Bridget and David's inbox at the moment, I want to start by asking you both what you think is the benefit of recording a podcast for the BBPA. A podcast is a great modern way of communicating. People can listen in their cars, they can listen when travelling. It's part of modern social media in a way. But I think for me, this is about we do a whole range of complicated subjects. And for our members and for the wider world, we need to explain them better. And I think a podcast is very much part of that. Are you a podcast fan yourself? Yes, I think think they're great and they're fun and they can be interesting and they're great when you're travelling. David, how does the BBPA tend to communicate currently? What what sort of approach do you take up to now? Well, we obviously communicate on a regular basis with our members through our website. We have a daily digest that we uh, send out to a targeted set of uh, industry contacts. And on a day-to-day basis, we have a lot of FaceTime with our members, actually. So we have lots of traditional ways of communicating, but we're getting into the uh, the modern world, Adam, with this podcast series. And do you listen to podcasts yourselves? Are I you a do. Fan? I'm afraid I'm an insomniac, so I tend to listen to them quite late at night. Uh, quite a wide range as well. I started on the politics, but I've got much broader now into there's some great literary podcasts out there and uh, just general interviews, which are quite interesting and tend to send me to sleep eventually. Very good, very good. Well, I hope we don't send you uh, to sleep. So, Bridget, since this is our first episode, what I thought would be useful is if you would maybe start us off by giving a little bit more information and context about the BBPA. So, firstly, who do you represent and what's the purpose of the association? So the British Beer and Pub Association is the trade association which represents brewers and pubs. And our members own 95% of the brewing uh, in this country. And they actually own as well 20,000 pubs. So Beer is a British manufactured product. Whether you're an overseas company, you still brew in the UK. So 82% of the beer that we drink here is brewed here. And in a pub, 7 out of 10 alcoholic drinks sold is beer. So it's a big part of the UK economy. So what, what's the role of the association primarily because of that? I, I mean, it contributes £23 billion to the UK economy. It employs 900,000 people. So the role of the association is to talk to government. It's to reduce the costs and taxes of our members. And it's to reduce the regulation. And it's to talk about their social responsibility, their contribution to local communities. We want them to be a favoured partner with government and we enable those discussions and we want consumers to respect and to value the products that we produce and the venues that our members own. So that's the broad context. So specifically kind of homing in on where we are at the moment, what for you are the sort of major issues that uh, the beer and pub sector is facing at the moment? 
Politically, obviously, with everything that's going on around Brexit, it's difficult to get politicians to focus on other things. Uh, We're coming up to a budget uh, in November this year. So we're beginning work on our Long Live the Local campaign, which is all about beer duty. We've got very high business rates. We pay 2.8% of the total business rates bill, but that actually only equates to 0.5% of turnover. So that's another big campaign. We've got a deposit and return scheme, which has just been introduced or announced in Scotland, that will have an enormous effect and cost for our members. So it's a range of regulatory issues to really good things like the government has announced the Great British High Streets competition for this year. That's something we want to be positive about. We want to engage in. We want to work with our members and we want to work with every local community to help enhance their experience. So, David, Bridget's talked there a little bit about the importance of political engagement, Mm. and that's obviously more in your area. Bridget mentioned the whole issue around business rates. Clearly, we are living in uncertain times politically at the moment, and we saw the closure of some of Jamie Oliver's restaurants, another blow to the high street. How would you characterise the kind of predicament, if that's the right word, of pubs because of the business rate issue? And and what are you trying to do to address that? Well, we've had some successes. Um, As Bridget said, pubs are in this country's DNA, and that's recognised by government. It's recognised by politicians across party. We have a lot of support among our political leaders for pubs. Uh, We need to campaign, and we do campaign, to make sure that when they're formulating policies on things like business rates, that they're aware of the impact of those policies on pubs as businesses. The vast majority of pubs are run as independent businesses, uh, as small businesses, many of them. So uh, actually getting the business rates regime right for pubs is crucial for not just for the pub business itself, but for the local communities that they serve and particularly the high streets that they're they're on. So it's a really important issue for us. um, And we've had some success with pub-specific reliefs uh, in previous budgets. And obviously we're continuing to campaign with the Treasury to persuade them that more needs to be done to mitigate the effects of the most recent business rates revaluation, which saw lots of significant increases for pub businesses, which were quite hard to bear for companies that are um, not always the most profitable. So I think it's, particularly for smaller pubs, it's a really significant tax burden for them that we're seeking to reduce. I hear what you're saying about the the efforts you're making in relation to that specific issue, but If you look at this a wider context and speaking as we are today at a time of significant political uncertainty with big issues about we don't even know who might be the prime minister next week, let alone Brexit, how easy is it for you to make politicians focus on an issue quite a specific issue around business rates. I think it's challenging, Adam. As Bridget said, I think Brexit has dominated, for understandable reasons, the political discourse for the last 18 months. So putting other things on the agenda is always hard, which is why we work with the media to campaign on particular issues. We generate consumer support for pubs and, and ask consumers to advocate on behalf of the local, both in terms of the business rate campaign, but also on beer duty to make the point to the politicians that they can't ignore the needs of pubs that actually supporting pub businesses is, is good politics. So, but it, you know, and I think fundamentally there is a policy 
time lag between the policy that we have around business rates and the commercial realities of the modern high street. And I think the Chancellor has accepted that, that there's a need to look at digital taxation, and that principle was accepted in the last budget. Um, But we believe that that needs to go further with more specific support for pub businesses because they can't go anywhere else. And when they close, you lose so much more than just another business on the high street. You lose a centre for community life and everything that goes with that. So it's really important for us, it's crucial, that we get a business rates policy that works for all the pubs across the country. And Bridget, you mentioned this new campaign the government's announced about better high streets. How do you hope that might play out in terms of pubs and your members? I've been involved in the Great British High Streets and in the government's um, specific forum on this for the last five or six years. Uh, And we've had a competition for the last four years. This is the fifth. It's sponsored by Visa. Actually, at a local level, there's much that people can do. Partnerships, leaderships, events, what you do in your local community, getting all shops to work together really help. Pubs are obviously at the heart of that. So And the government has also pledged £576 to put into a high streets fund to share best practice. We need to get more local authorities being less risk averse and more engaged in this. But fundamentally, high streets have got to reinvent themselves. And they can only, a bit like pubs, if you have all the same pubs offering the same thing in the high street, one of them is bound to close. In high streets, you've got to be, look at your competition, you've got to see how you can re-engage people, how you get them to come to your particular high street, whether it's having a high wire flying down the high street or whether it's having karaoke evenings or whether it's having more markets. Uh, And I think the high streets and, and my involvement in the high streets is a great fun. And secondly, it's vital to the success of pubs because as shops close, we're seeing more leisure in high streets and that will have to be part of the future. And do you think that pubs, as you referred to earlier, have an important part of the cultural makeup of this country, that that they in some way are a special case when we're looking at the high street? A lot of shops can trade via e-commerce, for example, which is not available to the pub sector. Exactly. Pubs can't be virtual um, and they're not great users of space. They're big premises. So we have to protect them uh, in that way. But often they can be the last community premises that's open for people to go and and, and talk to each other. Uh, It's intergenerational. They're so important in that role. They're important, I think, to mental health because they provide for people who are lonely a place that they can go. They do everything from uh, wakes to creches. They do meals on wheels. Some provide school children with uh, with meals. They provide libraries. Uh, There's a wonderful charity called Pub is the Hub, which we work very closely with, which helps pubs that want to do more than just be offer food or drink um, to diversify in that way. I I just think they're vital to people's lives. And so that obviously, understandably, that's the positive case for if, if I were to be devil's advocate for a moment, say we should probably look at the other aspect and there is questions around social responsibility and potential harm that alcohol does if drunk to excess. What do you think the BBPA's role is in relation to those sort of issues, responsibility questions? We have an absolutely vital role in that area. Um, We worked with the government, we reduced, we took a billion alcohol units out of 
the alcohol that was actually on the high street as part of working with government. We support Drinkaware. The industry gives £5 million to a charity that does education, that helps people to moderate their drinking, that does work in uh, from everything from walking football, it supports, to uh, safe spaces for those who are vulnerable in the late night economy. We support business improvement districts locally. We have Pub Watch. We have Best One None. So there's a whole range of schemes out there where we want to be good partners. I was in the Home Office this morning discussing with them the work that we do together, sharing things that we can do. And we are always there saying, what do you want us to do and how can we help putting out the message? It's not in the interest of me or any of our members that people drink alcohol irresponsibly. We want them to be socially responsible and we want to understand the benefits of moderate drinking. Picking up on what you're saying there about the social responsibility issues, we've noticed recently the growth in popularity around low and no alcohol drinks. How do you see that uh, developing? It's got to be part of moderation, which is something we're keen to encourage. So there's been a 381% growth in the last couple of years of sales. You either have non-alcoholic, which in the UK is 0.05% ABV. In Europe, it's 0.5%. we are trying to make that change. But anything lower than 3.5%, which is 20% less than the average strength of beer at 4.2%, is, as far as we're concerned, something that's low, and we want to be able to promote it more. And that's something we're talking to government about it. They're interested in it. I want to change the advertising rules so we can do more to say, try that beer there. It's lower strength than that one over there. I think definitely... Definitely, that is going to be something which we'll continue to do in the future. Are the brewers embracing it as well, do you think? The brewers are embracing it. There are a range now of really very good tasting non-alcoholic beers and a different range of lower strength ones. And and it also, you know, car scale is by definition, much of it is lower strength and always has traditionally been. Um, but you can do it with every style of beer and get great tasting beers. And then people will have a greater understanding that they're drinking something that has less alcohol in it. And picking up, um, David, if we can, on a couple of those points which uh, Bridget has made, I know some local authorities have introduced what's known as late night levies. Can you kind of explain a little bit more about what those are and why the BBPA doesn't necessarily support them? We oppose them because they're a blanket tax on venues that are already quite heavily overtaxed. I think the rationale for introducing them in some local areas was that they wanted the costs of the nighttime economy um, uh, born by those people that they believe are causing the issues at either of the late night venues. So there is a sort of, we can understand the rationale, but actually we believe the best way forward uh, in these situations is to work in partnership with the businesses affected uh, to ensure that any specific issues that there are arising from the late night economy are dealt with in a way as partners with the industry led initiatives like business improvement districts, funding, as Bridget said, safe spaces, uh, areas within those particular high streets where there might be uh, particular problems on a Saturday or a Friday night. And that's not a blanket approach. It doesn't impose a levy on all operators. It targets those operators that need to be um, addressed if they're not managing those operations effectively and they're not dealing with those issues effectively. You can deal with that in a much more targeted way without imposing a new 
tax, which is essentially what it is, which would be borne by everybody, regardless of whether they uh, promote responsible drinking or not. So, and, ha- and how much success have you had in challenging specific areas which have tried to induce uh, a levy? We, we have, and we resist them uh, rigorously on behalf of our members because it's important for us that these new tax burdens aren't imposed when they're not the most effective solutions to the problem. We're not saying there aren't issues in some local areas that need to be addressed. Of course there are. But it's important to recognise that people are changing their drinking habits. Young people in particular are drinking less, uh, this generation are drinking less than ever before, um, and they're drinking smarter. So actually that needs to be recognised in public policy terms and not used as an excuse to bash the industry with more uh, red tape and more costs. And we have had some success. So Cheltenham had a late night levy and decided it wasn't working, took it away and introduced a business improvement district. That's the sort of attitude we want to see. And the sort of looking at, does it work? And if it isn't work and isn't providing benefit, then look at something that's much more of a partnership with your local community. Nottingham, for example, they've got a very successful partnership arrangement where if you go there late at night, they'll have street pastors on the streets, they'll have people guiding you to venues, showing you where to get the taxis safely, making sure that people get home safely after a night out. They know that Nottingham is going to be a focal point for lots of people going out, particularly young people. It's a very popular city for a nighttime economy and they want that economy to thrive, but they also want to manage it to make sure that people feel safe, they get home safely and that any trouble is dealt with quickly and effectively. And I think that's the sort of solution that we need, a partnership approach that's much more effective. Rather than just, as you say, a blanket tax. Yeah. This is the Beer and Pubcast. Just uh, picking up on a couple of the specific things that Bridget mentioned, the the pub is the hub and the BBPA's own Long Live the Local campaign. Just put a little bit more flesh on those if you can, David, and also maybe explain what some of your members could potentially do to get more involved. Okay, well, the Long Live the Local campaign is our uh, major consumer campaign that we've been running now uh, for over a year. Uh, We launched it ahead of the last budget, uh, and it was very successful. Essentially, what we're trying to do is to get anyone that cares about their local pub to advocate on their behalf, to urge the Chancellor to cut beer duty as a significant way of helping the pub. And we've been phenomenally successful. We've used social media, we've used all the digital channels that are available, out-of-home advertising. We had the benefit of significant investment from um, our larger uh, international brewers who really support the British pub. They see the value of the pub, not only for their businesses, but to British society. So galvanising consumers to care enough to do something about it, to think about it, to challenge the Chancellor and their local MPs to to do more to help the pub. And this is a very practical, tangible way in which we can help the pub sector. We are massively overtaxed in this country as brewers uh, compared to our European uh, brewing partners. And so it's really important that that tax continues to come down and we need consumer support to demonstrate support for the pub as part of that process. As far as Pub is the Hub is concerned, it's not so much a campaign as as a charity that has a significant amount of industry support and government support. So it's something that the housing communities and local government department are very keen to 
fund uh, in part the community services uh, offer that the pub is a hub provides as Bridget mentioned earlier helps pubs to diversify particularly in rural areas where you need to create new revenue streams to keep those pubs sustainable um, it's run a very tight budget but they're very effective at providing advisory support to communities that want to continue to keep their pub in particularly in, in a village not exclusively in village communities but predominantly in rural areas where if you lose the pub you lose an awful lot. I should declare an interest at this point as a as a shareholder in uh, my local pub, the Crawford Arms in Maidenhead, which is actually in Theresa May's own constituency, still yet to pop in, despite the fact she looks like she could be in need of a stiff drink. But uh, <laughs> just that example is interesting because this whole question we've both been talking about, the kind of community involvement and the rise of the community pub, do you think, Bridget, that that is actually the shape of things to come, that rather than what we have seen, a sort of a trend of pub closures, we could see communities taking on and running their own pubs? I, I think community pubs can work very well, but you have to have the skills and the business skills. The days are gone. You can sit in a pub as a licensee and wait for people to walk through the door. You've got to understand marketing. You've got to understand stock taking. You've got to understand, have those business skills. Not every community can do that. So I would still see a trend of ownership of independent licensees, owning, running them as least intended, managing them, rather than them all being community owned. But I think with the right, again, the right local communities, people working together, the right partnership it can work very well. And David, you, you mentioned a moment ago about the, the comparison between beer duty here in the UK compared with the rest of Europe, which obviously makes me think about the wider European issue and the, the shadow of Brexit, which hangs over everyone currently. How is the Brexit uncertainty impacting the pub and beer sector? Well, most specifically, um, on the employment issue, it's the one that's uh, creating, I guess, the most short-term pressures that our members are having to deal with. They were already facing um, significant skill shortages and uh, we have a lot of vacancies in our sector, particularly on the food side. Food is obviously a, a growing profit centre for pubs, really important to pubs, uh, food business. And we don't have enough pub chefs, we don't have enough people who uh, are working in our kitchens to uh, meet the growing demand. So that was before Brexit. Brexit and the changes in uh, immigration policy that we're expecting will have and already have had a, a significant effect on the ways in which our members can recruit. So yes, there are some concerns and we've been lobbying very hard. I have to say with a lot of support across government uh, from departments who recognise the need uh, that the pub sector has to continue to recruit qualified staff to be able to get people from around the world to come and work in this country because we are creating growth and we are creating jobs. So uh, that's the most immediate issue for our members. I think obviously there are some bigger trade issues around exports that we want to make sure that whatever the settlement is, ultimately, that we're continue, we are able to trade effectively with our European partners and across the world because British beer is becoming increasingly popular around the world. And that's great news for our members, particularly on the brewing side. The export potential is huge. We have a strategy that we've agreed with government around exports and we're working with them very closely to promote British beer abroad. So there's always more we could do. And I think whatever the new trade arrangements will be in the post-Brexit environment, we're well placed to make sure that beer is there at the table. Without wishing to go too far down the speculation road, where do you think the, a no-deal Brexit would hit hardest in the 
pub and beer. Well, we've analysed the uh, risks that have been identified by the government and some of the potential scenarios. There are some very short-term risk factors around labelling because obviously a number of our accreditation schemes, particularly around things like organic beers, are governed by the EU currently and without those accreditation arrangements there will need to be some temporary arrangements in place to ensure that we don't lose the opportunity to export those niche beers as some of our members are real specialists in that and they don't want to lose that market opportunity. So very detailed sort of discussions ongoing with with DEFRA as our sponsor department and they've been very good I think at uh, reaching out to businesses to understand what the impact might be of a no-deal Brexit uh, because we all have to be prepared for every eventuality. There's also a real fear about inflation. I mean, particularly with food-led pubs, uh, we're already seeing food inflation and we've seen some stockpiling. We've got to watch. We had a no-deal Brexit and we had customs borders and we had trucks parked on going down to Dover. We would have a problem with beer, but we'd have a real problem with food. And we just, we, we need to watch that and work with government um, to find a solution. I think one good thing is if there is a parliamentary majority for anything in the House of Commons, it's probably that we don't want to leave without a deal. How would you characterise the BBPA's relations with government? And bearing in mind everything that David said about the distraction currently and the uncertainty, but do you think, broadly speaking, you have allies in government? I absolutely think we have allies in government and and allies fall at two levels. So you've got political allies, ministers and MPs who you've got to know. The average MP has 72 pubs in their constituency. So by definition, they should be supportive of their industry. And we can produce sheets that tell them what the local economic impact is, how many jobs they support in their own constituency. So you've got that is one side of it. The second part is obviously at civil service level. So officials make the policy. Uh, so working with those officials, I've been talking to Bayes this morning about some policy around tips. I've been talking to the Home Office about policy around alcohol and licensing. I'd be talking to the Department for Culture, Media and Sport about, um, about us having an A-sector deal in industrial strategy for tourism. I mean, one of our problems is we deal with so many government departments. But I think if you have the right we can do, we can help, can do attitude, then those officials will want to work with you and and you can form that partnership. They won't always have the same views as you do all the time, but at least they will be in many areas see the benefits of working with a, a sector such as ours and with an association such as ours, which has proved to be responsible. Um, and we don't go out and shout about things. We try and work behind the scenes to make them better. One of the issues that we faced is continuity, both at the political level in terms of ministerial changes, but also at official level, is that there's been a lot of churn, um, which is never good. I mean, in one sense, it's good because you've got people coming in with fresh perspectives. But for us, it's all about building up relationships with people, and then those people move on. So, I mean, one of the things... It's an inevitable part of the... We have to, you know, and Bridget, that's what Bridget does most of the time, is we're building relationships with a officials, with ministers, with their advisors, making sure that they understand the industry's perspective uh, and they have a very clear view of where we're coming from. But broadly, I think because it's beer and pubs, you know, we're not selling widgets, we're not pushing something that's particularly controversial. There is widespread support for the sector. We just need to make sure that that's translated into policies that help the businesses. And I know, uh, Bridget, that uh, while your day-to-day work 
frequently involves trips to Whitehall and engaging with government. You've been a little further afield uh, recently with a trip to, was it Norway you've been to? I have. Well, we're very active members of Brewers of Europe. It's important that we go out and say to countries around the world that we're open for business. And the Brewers of Europe, northern region of which we're part, met in Svalbard or Spitsbergen, which is an island off northern Norway. It's in the permafrost. It's 78 degrees north. And it has probably the most northerly brewery. Um, And it's a wonderful brewery, local brewery. It was great beer. The owner who chairs the Norwegian brewers took us there. But it's also somewhere where you can't go anywhere without a gun because of the polar bears. Um, And I did run round uh, the high street and found some reindeer, which was a great treat for me um, (laughs) sitting down there. But it's got no cows. It's got got uh, you have to build on stilts um you can't import anything there and politically it's got russians on one side of the island and norwegians on the other side so fascinating um but quite a long way to go and i take it judging by the remoteness of the location it's quite tricky to get a pint of spitzbergen ale anywhere in the uk absolutely it is um but it's certainly worth trying if you have that opportunity (laughs) and david you've been slightly closer to home but still out and about i believe you've been in manchester i have slightly less scary um on occasions no polar bears i've seen yet but um (laughs) no my youngest son has just finished uh, or just about to finish at university in manchester so we've been spending a fair bit of time in that great city i also i look after as it happens our north Northwest members. We have a regional association of very active Northwest brewers and pub operators. So, got to know some of Manchester's great pub scene. And I, what struck me is that the Rovers return. Not quite the Rovers. I've not had the chance to go in there, Adam. Uh, I would like to to do that at some point. But um, uh, a very rich mix of pubs. And I think that that's the thing about the pub sector. Manchester, as you know, as a city, has kind of reinvented itself. Very vibrant place, but it still retains lots of very traditional pubs so there's there's pubs like the castle hotel which is a great music pub i discovered when my football team were last in the premiership and i we were up there visiting to watch uh, watch them play away at Man City and lost seven nil, I think. The Norwich, um, on the, yeah, Norwich. But uh, but the highlight of that trip wasn't the football; it was a trip to the Castle Hotel, which is a fantastic pub run by one of our members. Um, so, uh, places like the Rain Bar, which used to be an umbrella factory, which is now a fantastic bar and a pub and bar on the canal. There's great venues, you know, and these places are contributing to the revival of our great cities, and that's the important thing about the pub. That's the wonderful thing about this job is that you know you, no one pub is the same as the next and each pub is run uh, with is full of character and full of characters and that's that's the beauty of it well for for my part i should i should mention a pub called the pilot in uh, mumbles near swansea which mm. i visited uh, recently i don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of going there but it's a fantastic pub great beer but also i thought brilliantly well run great atmosphere really good mix of people young and old there and just doing exactly what a good pub should do in my view that's that's really what it's all about and it's inspirational and we we run uh, with the um, all party pub group we help them run their inaugural uh, pub competition this year where they asked MPs to nominate their favorite pubs and uh, Bridget was one of the judges and and actually what they did Toby Perkins is the MP that chairs that group decided that they would ask his colleagues to make short films about the pubs that they love and we were slightly wary of this approach we wasn't sure what sort of films we'd end up with but actually the the quality of the content and and the range of pubs and the passion that people have got for for their local and the communities that they serve is inspirational and i think you know you don't have to travel far to find those pubs they're everywhere in this country and we want to keep them 
So on that positive note, I think we'll draw this first edition of the Beer and Pubcast to a close and say thank you very much indeed to Bridget Simmons and to David Wilson. Please visit the BBPA website for some accompanying show notes. And until next time, cheers. This is the Beer and Pubcast. For more news from the British Beer and Pub Association, you can follow us on Twitter at Beer and Pub or visit our website, beerandpub.com.